Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Muslim Vibe podcast. My name is Afrah Mansour and I'm the deputy editor of the Muslim Vibe. And my name is Salim Qasim and I'm the chief editor of the Muslim Vibe. How are you doing today, Afrah? Uh, not too bad. I'm not going to make the mistake of asking our listeners how they're doing. I Do tweet us if you're doing well. I mean, that, that would be pretty cool. But um, yeah, I'm doing okay. Yourself? Yeah, despite the Trump... Uh... Yeah, here we go. <laughs> So I think the topic for discussion today needs absolutely no introduction. Um, President Trump. I think those words are quite scary to yeah, hear. It's too soon to say that, man. <laughs> it, it might be. It might be too soon to say that. Yeah, it's but technical President Elect yes. Trump. President Elect <laughs> Trump. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we're joined today by Hasib Brisby, who's a director of the Muslim Vibe, and uh, Nargis, who you remember from our previous podcast, who's an independent journalist. Thank you both for being here. I see it was a long walk over from the desk out in the front. Took a while to get here. <laughs> but we're here now. So um, I guess I'll just start with that. President Trump, how do you feel? Has he... Um, I almost don't feel surprised. Uh, I think that this is part of a trend that we witnessed pretty much uh, with Brexit. Um, we're also seeing a lot of far-right uh, political parties across Europe, in fact, rising and gaining popularity. So I almost, whilst of course it was almost unfathomable to imagine someone like Donald Trump being the President of the United States, mm. it, at the same time it was something that felt like a very realistic possibility based off current events and, and the trends that are taking place around us. But I don't know about you guys, but I woke up in the morning and for a, for a blissful five seconds I forgot the elections were happening. So I and then I realized I quickly turned on my phone and when I saw the results I was shocked like I was speechless and you know it, I think there's a similar Brexit reaction and I probably should have learned from Brexit but you know you had that thing where you're like oh we've we've actually like we're in this situation now and the American people have actually gone and done this but hey at least they've outdone us on Brexit I mean you can't have messed <laughs> up more than Brexit but hey well done America that's off to you guys well done uh, Nargis what what was your reaction were you shocked no I think that. I, it's unprecedented and we have to feel the gravity of that but we shouldn't be shocked and we shouldn't be surprised and actually what Hasib is saying I think that needs to be the starting point of how we're feeling to go forward I think there's a lot to say to the fact that a lot of people you know many of my friends who have been arguing with me about this point but I actually think that specifically this western educated left-wing young class of people by now they should have by now they should not have woken up and been in a state of mm. shock and being like oh my god what's happened why is this happening no by now we should have started realizing what is happening and if we haven't now we need to know that that specific demographic that Nargis is talking about and i feel like we're almost part of it to a certain degree um i think we're in a bubble of our own yeah. where we you know share ideas with like-minded people we socialize with like like-minded yeah. people we read media from like-minded publications and i think we've almost become completely unaware and there's almost like a parallel society running to ours which is completely has a completely different opinion of of the of the world uh, to what we do um and i think that's and maybe now as a result of trump as a result of brexit this, this bubble will start bursting if it's not already. And that's why Brexit and President Trump happened, exactly what Hasib's saying. We've got to this point because there's been two parallel worlds existing in our societies. And that's a reality. And I think that 
if everyone gets that wake up call and starts dealing with reality, what's happening now is that 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 gap between rhetoric and reality it can no longer hold. Yeah. And that's what the that's what these results are. And uh, whilst we might be well, we're entitled to emotional reactions to it. We're entitled to be really upset and fearful for minorities and Muslims who are being attacked on the streets now in America, the same way they were attacked in Brexit. And I should caveat that by saying uh, maybe America trumped us on Brexit and it will trump us on violence and uh, and post-election violence and civil unrest. They have guns, they have a gun mentality and that's very worrying. That should be in its place separate to looking at the politics of what's happening and assessing it. I think also on a slight side note, I, I was reading something recently that was talking about the impact of social media on our bearings when it comes to elections. And, you know, we're all friends on Facebook. And what happens is that the algorithms are shaped in such a way that you your content goes out to your friends and it's engineered so that you get likes and you get comments and you get engagement. So all that's going to happen is you're going to see stuff that you agree with so that you like it, so that you think that's, a, that's you know, your perception of, of the world is shaped around that. And I think the problem is that social media has kind of created these circles and one circle doesn't ever or rarely overlaps with the other. So we think this is how the world is. They think that's how the world is. And we almost didn't see it coming because we just didn't anticipate it. Furthermore, the, the mainstream media, you could say, was quite biased towards Hillary. Um, and, and the Trump narrative was more ridiculed and mocked, but we never actually took the threat of the far right rising as a serious issue. You see, you mentioned a, an interesting point there, um, and I feel the same thing happened with Brexit, the same thing happened with Trump, and I think the similar things have happened in Europe as well, which is that the, the leftist media establishment uh, continuously ridicule um, a lot of the sentiments that people that you know are dis you know disenfranchised with with you know the way things are. They constantly ridicule those opinions as being racist, as being, you know, simple-minded, so on and so forth. By doing that, they create a hero out of villains, pretty much. So what we end up happening happening now is Nigel Farage. You've seen pretty much how he's paraded through the media, how he's depicted, but you see the people that share his his his, his viewpoints that may not necessarily be racist, may not necessarily even be extremists. They see that as wow, look how much the media is attacking him. He must be doing something right, and that is, you know, it, it, there seems to be this like flawed understanding in the media of how to actually deal with this such phenomena, rather than ignoring or rather than perhaps you know taking someone seriously by almost not taking them seriously, you're elevating their status amongst you know uh, that disenfranchised uh, anti-establishment uh, demographic. I think that's because what uh, Salim is discussing about this idea of bubble. Mm. The political establishment lives in a bubble and the media lives in a bubble. And the reason they're shocked as well by this result is because they've started, they're so now indoctrinated in their own rhetoric mm. that they are all, <laughs> there was a time when politics was knowing a reality and packaging it with rhetoric. When you go into that scope where rhetoric becomes your truth, mm. it is going to crumble yeah. because the rhetoric is not the truth. The truth is the way you're treating black people on the streets, the truth is the way you're treating the Native Americans, the truth is how you've abandoned white America, and the truth is, is that white America is America. Mm. That you, that 
you know, maybe bringing in this concept of race into this. This was an election about white America. Because for them, you brought up generations of the white population with this idea of this is what American being American is. And black people are slaves and black people are then prisoners and then black people are thugs and they're racists and they're dangerous. And they're you. It was the system that gave white America its identity. Then you stripped it away from them. And now you're wondering why they want it back when they're saying they want to make America great again. All of these tens of millions of people do not have racism in their DNA. They were taught the things that they now want to reclaim. They were not taught it by Donald Trump. That's that's the bottom line. They were actually taught it by a line of career politicians like Hillary Clinton. And that's the disconnect now is that uh, there will never be, I don't think, um, another status. It's going to be very difficult to get another status quo politician to win in Britain or America. I think think things now have to change. But see, I think that brings us to to a really important question. Why is it that Clinton lost? I mean, everyone expected, I, I speak for myself here, I expected to open up the news yesterday and to see that Clinton had won the elections. Why is it that she lost? What is it? What what went wrong? I think that's the question we need to address. I think one thing I found very interesting on this is that she actually won the popular vote. Not that that counts for anything, unfortunately, but you know she got forty seven point seven percent compared to Donald Trump's forty seven point five percent, and it brings me back to the question of democracy. And something that we've seen in the UK as well in the past with elections where UKIP, for example, got 4 million votes, yet that meant nothing. Um, not that I want UKIP to achieve anything, but it's, it's, we have these democracies so-called, but I still think that the, the system is flawed. Um, not that I personally wanted Hillary to win. I mean, between the two of them, is, it's a very, very tough one. And I think in the previous podcast, we all kind of said we would lean towards a third party. Um, and incidentally, third parties, just for those who are criticising, third party voters didn't kill this election. It wouldn't have changed. When you look at the breakdown of third party votes across each state, they wouldn't have swung the election. So actually, um, I think, you know, there's a lot of criticism, especially among American young Americans I'm seeing online and putting the blame on them the blame is on the system the blame is on because the system failed it's not actually the blame is not on trump it's not on uh, to an extent but you know holistically taking a mm. step back the question is though if if hillary represents the establishment and old politics which i think that is what people are saying and trump represents a protest vote someone new someone that can't be bought etc etc then was there that much of a need for the Americans to protest? And, and did he bring that many people to him? And, and is the establishment that bad for the American people that they felt the need to to go this far? Because Trump is... He's, he doesn't have any policies. No one actually knows what he stands for, really. Mm. And people were, would rather that than more of the same. But Trump was honest, or was perceived to be honest. And by the way, we talk about Trump as this lone figure. He's not a lone figure. There's a far-right extreme neocon machinery around him this corner of the political spectrum that lurks in the shadows until it can come out and it's always there and it's waiting for climates to come out and so that's that but he's very smart because he knew what he was saying he was speaking to people's worries and fears but at a time when people think politicians are not honest anymore anything that indicates honesty will be popular even if they don't like what he's saying, even if it's racist, 
and misogynistic and sexist and Islamophobic, they'll look at him and be like, this guy is saying it how it is. And that was the same with Nigel Farage, I think, to yeah, an extent the, here, wasn't the, it? The, the interesting thing is, is uh, when you look at, for example, Hillary Clinton and, and the stigma that surrounded her as well, it's she wasn't a polished figure, really and truly. Um, you know, you've probably seen her around social media everywhere, like Bernie Sanders would have beaten Trump, and that's that's a reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hillary Clinton was a person that had such less integrity, and I'm surprised that the, the Democratic Party thought that she was a viable candidate, really, for this, for this election race, considering... The, the the bad uh, image and negative uh, sentiment surrounding her, you know, we've, we're talking about sex scandals with her husband, corruption, uh, leaked emails, and God knows what being investigated by the FBI and then conveniently being dropped. The investigation being dropped, you know, a few days just before the election uh, itself. This was a person that really could not have gathered that much support around her, even if she, even if she didn't go against Trump. Let's be honest. Um, so. You know, the, the establishment made a big mistake itself uh, by thinking that it can just keep repeating the same strategy, keep repeating the same strategy. We're going to get get her on stage, get her to say the same things as they always say, do the same thing as if that's going to work. But they haven't realized that. And it's, it's it's bizarre almost when you think about it. And, and, you know, maybe this is part of God's plan is that they, they were blind almost to their own failure. And they did not even see, you know, where they were headed. Is it that despite they're blind? the fact that there's a there's a trend. Is it that they're blind or that they don't have any other way? Because another way would eat into their power and eat into the way they do things. Putting a Bernie Sanders into play changes the dynamic for them. So their denial in a way is because they do things in a way that any other way would reduce their power and they want to maintain power they want to maintain their, the status quo way of doing things because there is no they don't fathom another way we saw the same thing after brexit the day after pre- brexit the political establishment parliament was in shock it didn't know what to do like individual politicians I guess it, I were still freaking shock. out <laughs> if you look at jeremy corbyn why did we have all this mass res- res- resignation all this because a group of politicians who knew what they were doing did what they did and all the other politicians just freaked the hell out like <laughs> they don't know any other way they can't fathom another way they're like well we don't want to give jeremy how do you mean what do you mean giving jeremy corbyn power or giving bernie sanders the ticket they haven't clocked onto it but i think now Perhaps they don't have a choice. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that now. Interesting. Obviously, we've got the next four years of Donald Trump as president. We've got God knows how many years of ongoing discussions regarding Brexit and does Brexit mean Brexit and all these various terms. Um, so we, I think we will start seeing now a shift in, in, in both the culture of the uh, electorate um, as well as uh the way in which political parties organise themselves and, and communicate with the masses. So I just wanted to read out some of the tweets that I saw earlier today. Uh, these are basically, you know, in, in the 24 to 48 hours, or I think guess 24 hours since the elections, one of them says, I seriously heard this dude say, I want Trump to win so we can do whatever we want to women. And if that isn't the most terrifying thing, dot, dot, dot. Guys, a Trump supporter tried pulling off my hijab. This is not a joke anymore. All all non-whites have become targets. Stay safe. Trump supporter pulled knife on Muslim girl this morning on the bus. My sister got to work today and people thought it was funny to ask her for her green card. 
This mindset was validated yesterday. Hashtag not my president. Over a one-hour period, there was also 660 calls to a suicide helpline, which is two and a half times more than the average. This has all been in the 24 hours after Trump was elected. What's next for Muslims in, in America? Is there a future for Muslims in America? Before, um, I'll let Hasib answer that question, but before that, there is a point I want to make about those tweets that, you're, that, that you've put out. Um, there has been incidents officially quoted from university security campuses where several men have knocked out a woman in a hijab with something metal and have grabbed her hijab off her head um, while she was on the floor. There's been there's so many first-person um, tweets coming out now of women having their scarves grabbed off their head and I was thinking about this this morning and I, I know this is a strong statement to make but actually we need to start looking at this not just as a physical assault but this is actually a form of sexual assault and it needs to start being looked at in that way if a woman is walking down the street and a man four men come up to her throw her on the floor and try and force her trousers off or try and take her bra off or her top that is a form of sexual assault and it is very very dangerous the way Muslim women in particular are being put in the forefront of this because of the rhetoric in the media they're looked at these as these weak submissive um, women who don't have a voice who are kept in shackles at their in their home and that they're used to this and it's predatory mentality mm. that people think they're the easy target it's not scientific but from I've spent several hours looking at all the tweets and the tweets show that there's a lot more verbal threatening towards Muslim men, black people and Hispanics, but it's the Muslim women in the hijab who are at the front line facing these physical attacks. It's, it's unacceptable and I think it, it just clicked in my head today that why are we not seeing this in this manner? Because it is, for all these I'm with her hashtags in an election cycle that was so much to do with women, this is actually, this is actually a case of women being on the front line of not only physical but a form of um, sexual assault and it's and it's very very serious and it impacts the Muslim community and it came to my mind that this is something that we need to start viewing in this paradigm because in any other circumstance it would be viewed like that. I think it also comes off the back of the dehumanization of Muslims in general they've just become a thing like this foreign alien object um, and, and that's also ha had a massive impact on this. Yeah, and especially obviously with with regards to Muslim women, obviously it's quite evident to it's quite easy, sorry, to spot a Muslim woman, namely because of the hijab. Um, in New York and in various parts of the US, we've seen, for example, Sikh people wearing turbans being attacked, even though they're not Muslim, but because the turban has somewhat become associated mm. with with Islam through pictures of Osama bin Laden and the likes. Um, so, so I mean, that's, you know, uh, one of the, the things to consider. But I feel like, um, you know, before we really discuss what's next for American Muslims under Trump, um, I feel like it's worthwhile perhaps even voicing some support of and encouragement towards our Muslim sisters who are wearing the hijab. Um, and as a brother, you know, I want to reach out to all the sisters out there and, and, and you know, you should feel proud that you're wearing essentially the flag of Islam and have faith in God and, and continue with your struggle and if anything does happen then then know that you will be rewarded for it for, with God um, but at the same time I also advise my sisters out there 
to to take self defense classes and and learn how to be more aware in the streets and you know protecting your own private space. Um, and inshallah, you know, God is with with the believers, and and we have to have faith in that. I think one one thing that we should also keep in mind is that in a sense Trump has also emboldened people because he was this voice of speaking truth or speaking whatever everyone was too scared to say. Trump made it acceptable to mm-hmm. to come out with this rhetoric. I mean, today, like less than forty eight hours after he's been elected, um, the one of the key points of his election, which is to ban Muslims from traveling, has been removed from his website. And this is the first change that we have seen. So if this guy has come to power saying one thing, within 48 hours it has disappeared. This is problematic. Something mm. that we really need to be concerned about because this is just the first stage. He, he, can, he can go back on his promises, but he can't go back on emboldening people who are um, basically out on the streets attacking black people. There was another incident. I mean, I, I know we're focused on Muslims, but black, black students being told to go to the back of the bus... I mean, we have to understand uh, how profound that is. And uh, we'll have to see how the next... I mean, we're recording this now, like, the day after. Is it, what we, two days after now? Lost track of time. Since, <laughs> yeah, since so Trump time has ceased to exist. We're about 24 hours after the result was officially announced, and we're seeing all of this. I don't know when this is going out, but the next few days are actually quite critical because we could see a lot of civil unrest. There's already protests going on and it just takes one incident of somebody being fatally hurt mm-hmm. I mean, to spark something. They, they, they fired um, uh, tear gas at a group of 6,000 protesters in Oakland, California. That's day one, literally the first night after the election. Mm. So this is the, f- the first of many. I hate to say it, but it's very Yeah, probable. we're still in that critical period straight after the vote right now. We still have to see, I think, what happens in the next few days. And then... Did, did you guys hear his, uh, his speech after, after winning? Yeah. I think, you know, credit where credit is due, it was actually quite... <laughs> Good. I mean, it was you know about bringing everyone yeah, together. Yeah, but that's a that's a standard template speech. That it is a template. It is a template speech. But he 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 could have been controversial. But he just seemed like I agree that he could. There have. was no keywords. I in agree. There. I agree. Um, he must have been advised because if if I'm honest with you, if, if he even made one sarcastic comment in there, so or one inf- inflammatory comment in there, uh, he would have had to first day as president elect had to deal with a lot more than than what he's already had to deal with. Um, So I think he played it safe in that regard, uh, purely for his own credibility more than anything else. Um, And that that, that speech is given a million times by every every winner. Um, He's a loser as well, you can say that. (laughs) (laughs) Talking of using that same template for the speech, we have uh, his wife, and I think she's my favourite person in this whole thing. (laughs) A, because she's an immigrant herself, she's no less immigrant than anyone else that he's attacking. B, she actually stole Michelle Obama's speech. So um, for me, for someone who's all for the, you know, the voice of the women, etc., I'm thinking Michelle Obama 2020 or Kanye West is also a very viable possibility. So um, I hope not. I mean, if Trump can make it, if there's one thing we learned from Trump, and I think if we take away anything, is that if you believe in something well enough and have uh, an entire... Uh, and a big ego. A big ego, tiny hands, whatever you want to call it. All of these things, right? You can achieve something. And uh, he's the next president of the United States of America. So, to um, back up your <laughs> political astuteness with some expert opinion, there thank is you, a guy who um, is currently writing a book called The Kim Kardashian Principle. She get, he, he was giving reaction to the um, Trump election and he said, actually what this election has proved is that it's 
just as likely that Kim or Kanye can win 2020 I mean, he said than it anybody well. else. So, And if that is the case, then I hope I pass away <laughs> soon. <laughs> um, just you won't be here back, for all the fun. <laughs> back to more uh, serious um, concerns with regards to the future of American Muslims. I came across this clip yesterday of Malcolm X. Now, this was in 1964, and Malcolm X was... Uh, describing a candidate at the time uh, who was pretty much the same thing as what we have with Donald Trump. The guy's name was Barry Goldwater. Same thing, businessman, um, extreme capitalist, and, and you know, same kind of right-wing rhetoric. Um, so I think um, I'm just going to play the, the clip for us now, for us all to hear. Well, if Goldwater ever becomes president, one thing his uh, presence in the White House will do it will make black people in America have to face up to facts probably for the first time uh, in many, many years. And this in itself is good in that it, uh, Goldwater is a man who's not capable of hiding his racist uh, tendencies. And at the same time, he's not capable of even pretending to Negroes that he's their friend. So this will have a tendency to make the Negro probably for the first time uh, do something to stand on his own feet and solve his own problem instead of putting himself in a position to be misled, misused, exploited uh, by the whites who pose as liberals only uh, for the purpose of getting the support of the Negro. So in one sense, uh, Goldwater's coming in will awaken the Negro and it will probably awaken the entire world more so than the world has been awakened since Hitler. So I, I, I listened to that yesterday and I thought that was ex so powerful what he was saying. Um, and, and it shares a lot of you know some of the things that me and Salim have discussed, uh, you know, with the whole concept behind the Muslim vibe, which is that sooner or later, Muslims or minority groups are going to have to wake up and realize that they're not they can't expect power to be handed to them or their rights to be handed to them. They have to step up to the plate and ultimately take that power and take that control over their own reality. I think the really interesting thing is that in that situation, Barry Goldwater didn't come into power. So black people in America didn't have to do anything. Whereas today, Trump has won. And now minorities have to come together. We have to mobilize and take action. So it's going to be fascinating to see whether we can actually live up to the words of Malcolm X or not. Yeah, and it's, it's not to say that black people didn't have to do anything at that time because they were still in the process of, you know, getting basic rights for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as we've seen, you know, there is pretty much no difference in America as to where we were, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, as to where we are now. Uh, we're still seeing unprecedented amounts of violence and discrimination against, you know, black groups. I, I don't know that... I, I don't know if I agree 100% with that sentiment I, and neither do I know that I'm fully qualified to do so we'd have to speak to the experts of the African-American community in the United States but what I would say was actually I had never heard of Barry Goldwater so don't worry listeners if you hadn't either but this was in the 1960s this was in the time of the civil rights movement so for me the key question is how do you compare Black Lives Matter to the civil rights movement in terms of scope in, in terms of impact, the black community in America went into this election off the back of the Black Lives Matter movement. And actually, they didn't come out and vote for Hillary Clinton in the numbers that they said they um, that there was an anticipation that they will do. And if something caused um, Clinton to lose, that was definitely a big key factor of it. And actually, because the black community has got to a point where they realise that, as Malcolm X said, that they are hard done by 
between election periods and then they then they come and the people in power need their votes to maintain the status quo and they're not having that anymore the complexities of minority communities and i think muslim communities can learn from this is that there is a a unifying there is a pattern to how minority groups and minority leaders like malcolm x are dealt with there is no exclusivity on the way the muslim community is dealt with they are dealt with in the same pattern that all other minority groups have been dealt with in the united states and in britain and we would heed to listen to those patterns and take pay more attention to them and pay more attention to the to the generations that came before us it's one of the things of young people to think that they suddenly have all the answers and that the people before them weren't smart enough to go and try and do the things that they now think will work we have to be smart we have to look back at the patterns that are put forward the mistakes that have been made and try and push the envelope forward in that way um which is ultimately what you know we don't have a malcolm x today but what he was telling us still rings very true today in many ways because we haven't listened to the message we haven't listened to what he's saying and 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 i guess this forms almost the 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 silver lining to the dark cloud that is trump is whilst we're in this situation now and it's not nice and yes there may be violence there may be a lot of discrimination there may be a lot of hatred and division it's it's acted as a catalyst for change but the impetus lies on minority groups such as muslims such as uh, the, you know the black community the african american community in, in america and latinos and various other communities that are oppressed and and discriminated against to to unite to make their voices clear to organize because the reality of the matter is the muslim community in america are extremely unorganized just as much as we are here in the uk we can we can barely organize our local events let alone organize ourselves politically we're so divided and and this is part of the strategy of the establishment to subdue us mm-hmm. is to divide us to make false leaders uh take, you know speak for us this has happened for the african american community it's going to happen to us it's already happened to us you have you know people like majid nawaz representing the muslim community here in the uk you have uh, you know similar leaders in, in the united states speaking on behalf of, of 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 the muslim community we need to take our voices and we need to take control of our narrative um otherwise you know where we're headed is is like I said, let's let you know. Like Nergi said, rather, is let's learn from the history of the of the past people that have been persecuted. And more than just as important as control, and in some ways, these are discussions for our next podcast that I know we're filming going today as well. But more than control is unity. Unity is not this fluffy word, right? That when you look at the strategy of politics anywhere, the division is the most helpful thing. There is always going to be difference of opinions because we're not all the same. But that we know that there is a strategy and that we never throw any of our own community or other minority communities under the bus of that strategy. We can have a we are can have a lot of things to disagree with and we will do because we're we're a young community. We're in the west Muslim communities are ethnically diverse. They they're not that's why we have this complexity of identity but at the end of the day we need to understand that outside of all of that conversation is a strategy 
and it sometimes tries to infiltrate us but that actually on the whole the majority of people in that community are not infil they're not infiltrators of this strategy we're just people with a wide variety of opinions we have to come together without coming together not only just as Muslims, but then as minorities and different groups that are all facing the same thing from that strategy. And that really is the way forward. There's lots of hope in that. Um, I think we should end on a hopeful note because there is hope in that and there is progress in that. And um, there's always setbacks. Some, one part of just growing up is to realise that life is full of these, life is full of these events and um, it is what it is. You continue, you continue and you make the most of it. I think we should probably end the discussion on those two positive notes um, in, in what otherwise has been quite a depressing, <laughs> might be the right word, week. Dull. Uh, dull. Yeah, just... Not at all. This is the time to become active, to become aware and to get positive about it because actually to be negative about it is to not be a part of the change. That's right. <laughs> and I think this probably won't be the last time we discuss Trump or American politics. Um, but if you do have any suggestions for our future podcast, any comments on what you've heard today, then please do get in touch on the editor at The Muslim Vibe. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of the discussion today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And also, don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, subscribing to our podcast. Until next time, Salaam alaikum.